All right, welcome to Haunts and Creeps. I'm your host, Asia. I'm Rose. And this is Haunts and Creeps. I already said that. <laughs> Fun. Off to a great start. Strong beginning. Yep. So, what is your fact of the week that bothered you so much? Disturbing thing of the week? Yes. And I think we're changing it to disturbing thing of the week and Asia's not so disturbing thing of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're right. Not a lot of things disturb me for the most part. It's more like I'm baffled. Pretty much. Like, we've been, I've been digging. I've been, like, trying to... I don't know. What's the word? I've been trying to get you to come up with something actually disturbing, and you really don't have anything. Nothing really disturbs me. I'm baffled. That's yeah. what gets me. My baffled okay. is disturbing to me. Yeah, so one disturbing thing, one thing that mildly baffles Asia. <laughs> okay. That works. What's your disturbing thing? My disturbing thing. <laughs> I've been listening to uh, the last podcast on the left, mm -hmm. and I've been listening to their little series on the Boston Strangler. Yep. Which I, I didn't know anything about the Boston Strangler, but it's kind of fucked. It it's, disturbing. It is. Yeah. Like, I don't think anything really specific about it, except that it's just so, I don't know. Morbid. <laughs> well, it's like mostly older women, and he always puts them in like the same position where they're just like fully exposed and they're not sure if it was one dude or like three different people. Mm -hmm. It's disturbing. Yeah, I've heard a couple different podcasts on it. Not the last podcast on the left yet, but I've heard a few that cover it and yeah, yeah. some disturbing shit. Yeah, people are fucked in the head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, for me this week, this was more of last week. I had a hiatus in another town, which is why we had a little bit of a break here. But um, I won't go into too many details, just in case people I know are listening. <laughs> but I was in a house, apartment, and one of the bedrooms definitely had some creepy shit living in it. I didn't see anything and nothing spooky happened, but I had to use the bath- Like, I was given the bathroom in that master bedroom to use while I was staying there. And every time I would walk into that room, I could just feel this overbearing- extremely dark energy it was like staring back at me like it didn't want me in there and i had to like come to terms with it what does that feel like like physically physically yeah um you know how you can kind of get that feeling like someone's watching you like the hairs on your neck almost stand up but you just have that inert feeling that you know someone's watching you i've never had the like legitimate someone's watching me but i've had like you know where where like i don't know feel like something's off mm -hmm. and you're like the vibes in this place are off right now something's yeah. going on it's kind of like that it's just more intense mm. like if you know you piss somebody off and you can tell from a distance that they're just oh. shooting daggers at your back <laughs> it feels like that but without a person to cause it oh weird it's like the best way i can describe it yeah that is baffling yeah <laughs> mildly disturbing so what did you but. do to cohabitate with this thing? After the first night, I... Because during the day, it wasn't so overbearing. But when it's nighttime, it's definitely pr it's prime living time. And so I went. I would open the door to the bedroom and just go, I'm just going to the bathroom. Promise I won't be in here long. Just leave me alone. All I need is the bathroom. Would you say that excited. out loud? Or yes. are you sending it like telepathic messages? I said that one out loud. It was a strong enough energy that I felt the need to verbalize. Damn. And your little brother was there, right? Did he hear you? Um, like, what the fuck are you doing, Asia? No, he was gaming all the time. Oh, yeah, like, he didn't hear anything. He didn't hear jack shit. So <laughs> it was fine. It was just uncomfortable. And I was happy to leave. Yeah, I think I would be too if I found myself in that situation. Yep. All right. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So we're jumping into Alaska now. And I'm starting with two stories again, and the first one is a history. It's more historical with a speckling of hauntings at the end. Mm -hmm. Stereotypical shit. Second one has very little history, but a lot of juicy stuff. Yeah, which is kind of what we've been finding. Like, mm -hmm. stories are either rich in the history or rich in the hauntings, but they're hardly ever both. Yeah, I think Sloss Furnaces yeah. was like a gold mine. This Sloss was, was like a gold mine. Yeah, it's got history and hauntings and filled a whole hour. Yeah, so. yeah. I do have five pages of notes. and That's pretty good. Sloss Furnaces was four. So All right. It might be going a little over on time. We'll see what happens. Hey, I'm but good for it. Sweet. Well, let's get started. 
So story number one is the Jessley Home for Children. And technically it has had three locations. Most history is in the second location. Mm. But I'll give you an overall. The first one was founded in Unalaska. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, I thought that was the funniest town name. It's like, we're in Alaska, but we don't want to be Alaska, so we're un-Alaska. Are you serious? Yes. It's U-N-Alaska. <laughs> Is there like a dash even? No, it's one word. <laughs> Un-Alaska. So this, and then the second one moves into Seward, and then the third one moves into Anchorage. Oh, I've been to Seward. I've been to Anchorage, too. Those are kind of more well-known. Yeah. Un-Alaska is Un-Alaska. a small town. It's un-Alaskan. <laughs> <laughs> So prior to 1926, children's homes weren't really a big thing. For the most part, the Methodist churches would take them in and find space for them and kind of just shelter them and take care of them. But between 1910 and 1920, the Spanish flu pandemic became a really, really prominent problem in Alaska. I mean, in the rest of the country and the world, but... That's kind of crazy, because, I mean, at this time, I can't imagine there's a lot of people up there. And Alaska's fucking huge. Like, how are they even spreading it that quickly? I had read a fact somewhere that if you condensed, like, the population per square foot or... I don't... Shit. Square mile of Alaska, but that population percentage from the rate of state size to people, and to put it in smaller perspective, like the island of Manhattan in New York would have 14 people on it. That was their comparison. <laughs> so, fun fact. Damn. You make a good point. <laughs> um, so this fan- pandemic had many fatalities, and that led to a lot of children becoming orphaned or homeless, and it displaced them from their homes, so they needed a place to go. And being displaced in your home, from your home in Alaska, means you're just living in the woods. Yes. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> So the Unalaska Home for Children from Jess Lee, um, it, they started it, but it became so dense in population of children just because the pandemic happened. It was overflowing and it was old and in serious need for repairs, so they moved it to Seward. Um, and that move happened from Agnes Sule. It's like, it's spelled soul with an E at the end, so I'm not sure how to pronounce it. She was a territorial teacher who came up with the idea of a two-building home, and that's kind of where it moved. Like she pitched the idea to move it to Seward with this happening. Hmm. Um, Seward became the new location for the children's home due to it being the largest port of transportation and trade. Like Yeah, at... Seward is on the coast. Yeah. yeah, so at the time, it cost so much to get supplies and things transferred to Unalaska. That they were just like, fuck it, we're going to save money. Do it better for the kids. We're going to move them up to Seward instead of on Alaska yeah. and expand there. Fun fact, my cousin lives in Anchorage. And I remember she was going to go to school in, in Juneau. And Juneau is the capital. It's pretty small. But, like, from Anchorage to Juneau, you have to take a, a plane. You can't drive. There's no roads because it's fucking Alaska. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it's, like, untamable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. In 1925, the Jesse Lee Home for Children was built in Seward, and in 1926, the school opened. There are no documented enrollment records, like on paper, but it's believed that the school averaged around 120 children. But there is some evidence that they've found that the number could have been higher. I couldn't find any details on that, but they're hinting that it could have been more than 120 kids, but that was the average populace of just this one school. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a lot of fucking children. Yeah, I think my, like, elementary school was maybe, like, half that. No, 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 twice that, but, like, K through five. K through five? Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> um, some of these children were not all orphans. The non-orphan children were placed in the school because their parents were in uh, TB sanatoriums, so mm. tuberculosis. Yeah, that was a thing, too. Yep. So, Spanish flu and tuberculosis. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) We think we have it bad with COVID right now. That was shit show. Yeah, for real. But yeah, so they were all scattered around the state, and a lot of those kids came to this home to survive. Now, fun fact, there was a 13-year-old boy in seventh grade named Benny Benson. (laughs) Oh, God. And he moved from the Unalaska home with them to the Seward home. And they, he entered a competition with 700 other applicants to design a territorial flag. 
he won the contest and his design is still used today as the Alaskan flag. I've heard this story. I remember learning this in elementary school. I never learned that shit. Yeah, the I Alaskan cool flag. It's like it's blue, dark blue, and then they have like the big dipper mm-hmm. in like yellow stars. Yeah. We totally and then I think we learned that story and then I think for like the day we were all like coming up with our own flags or something like that. Oh, well, that's fun. Yeah. So yeah, that's how the Alaskan flag was created, and the first time it was ever made, it was sewn by a young Eskimo woman named Fanny Kearns, and she used leftover cloth to sew it together. Dope. So it wasn't even like, here's some new fabric. It's like, I've got these old scraps. Yeah. We'll make it. Yeah, this is Alaska, man. Everything is made of old scraps. (laughs) Yep. And on July 9th in 1927, the new flag was raised for the first time at the Jesse Lee Home for Children in Seward. Wow. That's pretty cool. It's pretty monumental. <laughs> Think about being that kid. You'd be like, guess what I did? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> then he's like old, tells his grandchildren, I made the first flag of our state. Yeah, and then they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, Grandpa, whatever. <laughs> exactly. Like, what a story. <laughs> so at this point, the Seward site had two dormitories with dining halls and kitchens. One of the halls was the more main hall. It held a shop, a gym, um, oh, vocational classrooms. I typed a C there. <laughs> What's coation? <laughs> so vocational classrooms, a dark room for pictures, classrooms, and a library. Damn. The other hall was the girls' hall, so they were separated. Oh, so that's girls. This is the dudes' hall. The boys' hall had all. They this had shit all there. this cool shit. I think the girls were allowed to go there, but I think they had a separate one for them to sleep in. Oh, that's bullshit. Wow. So the second hall held the girls' rooms and the administrative offices. Ossifice. (laughs) (laughs) The property had grown to have a barn, a separate schoolhouse, cold storage, a garage, and a house for the superintendent. Hmm. When World War II happened, the school was shut down and was used as a temporary army base and the students were all relocated until the war was over. 120 Hmm. students. Yeah, where were they relocated? That was not put into detail. Just, like, out into the community? I'm guessing so, yeah. Back to the woods? Go to the woods with you. If you survive the war, then you can come back. (laughs) Hey, we're doing an outdoor ed class. (laughs) Everyone's surviving the woods until the war is over. (laughs) Yep. So the home reopened, but mainly just as a living space. The children started attending classes at nearby elementary and high schools. So mm. they did, they after the war, they no longer did classes there. Okay. They were outsourced. Um, also, the government provided food, and it replaced the gardens and ranching space that the school had previously had. So mm. there wasn't a lot of detail on how that worked either. But on that, um, the residency declined from 120 children down to 30 or 40 after the war and that's because three-fourths of three-fourths of them just fucking died in the woods <laughs> during so, the war i like that idea <laughs> and that's where the hauntings come in <laughs> partially yes <laughs> oh we're gonna move into the next step of the ultimate tragedy oh shit so in 1964 there was a devastating earthquake that ripped through seward alaska clocking in at a magnitude of 9.2 oh fuck yeah. that's like out of 10 isn't it yeah oh shit yeah <laughs> Reportedly, it was the most powerful earthquake to hit North America. Wow. Yep. This caused the school some pretty awful damage to the infrastructure, as you could probably imagine. Yeah. But it was so bad that the main buildings were deemed unsafe to live in and required demolition. Oh, damn. Yeah. And that's when the Seward Hall for the Jesse Lee home was relocated to Anchorage. And I want to say that's really fucking far from Seward. Probably. Because Anchorage is inland. No, it's not. I don't fucking know. I don't know. I've never been to Alaska. (laughs) I know one person from Alaska, and he's a bit of an oddball. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't surprise me. (laughs) Yeah. He knows a lot. I learned that. Does he know a lot about, like, bear scat and setting traps? (laughs) And how to survive in the woods on his own, quote unquote, with 20 other people. (laughs) (laughs) What? Okay, whatever. That's a story for another day. So, in 1966, the Seward property was sold to the city, you know, the wreckage of it. It was sold to the city and a series of private owners after that, before being foreclosed due to unpaid utilities. Mm. In 1995, the property was listed under the National Register of Historic Places. So did they just leave it like a pile of crap? 
And yep. they were like, this is a historic place. Yep. They didn't, like, build it or refurbish it or anything. There's, from some of the things I was reading, there were plans to rebuild it, but it never worked out. Hmm. Um, like, there was a lot of controversy on the money to make it happen, if it was even worth making it happen, and it just never happened. So there's still buildings there, but they're not not livable by any means. There are things caved in like it's i think at that point you might as well just like demolish it and make a monument or something you know like it is the its world, own monument. like the world trade center sort of i get it yeah it's just they made it its own monument and i think there's been debate over the last couple of years on whether or not they're just going to rip down the whole thing yeah all right so it that's that's been an idea that's been circulating <laughs> now on to some mild hauntings so that earthquake that destroyed everything yeah well apparently there were fatalities there were, yeah, there had to have been. There were about a dozen children that died that day. Fuck. Yeah. So due to those traumatic deaths, the children are still hood to this day. <laughs> there are many reports of giggling children in the halls when there's no children around. Um, reports of hearing the sound of jump ropes in the courtyard and bouncing balls, like the kids are still out playing around. Hmm. I didn't know they had jump ropes in Alaska. I don't think location matters where you can <laughs> jump with a rope. Come on, it's Alaska. They don't got shit up there. You no, got an still old like... piece of rope and you fuck around how to play with it. I'm they're, surprised they're they didn't still have living in hoops. tents and shit. True. And they still cook their food over like a campfire. I've been there, I've seen it. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> they ride mooses. But is that the plural of moose? Yeah. I meese. like meese. <laughs> they ride meese around. <laughs> meese is my favorite. Meese and Meesons, they ride them around, yeah. <laughs> now that's a feat to tame a moose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my cousin told me about it. it's a feat for sure. <laughs> yeah, believe it. Um, they also hear the pitter patter of children running up and down the halls and cheering like they're playing tag mm. in the afterlife. At least they're having fun. Yep. And some say that there is a spirit of a little boy who looks like he's about three ish wearing a dirty shirt. And then there's the usual sightings of moving shadows in the corner of your eye and the general feeling of dread and despair. See, that's what makes it kind of disturbing is like, like in movies when you have little children as ghosts or whatever, it's the combination of the innocence, like they're playing games, they're screaming, running around, jump roping, and then there's like this despair and like fear and just darkness that kind of contrasts and makes it fucking disturbing as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree completely. <laughs> so where does that come from? Is it the little children putting that off? Or is it like, what types of ghosts are they? Are they the type that just replay an event? Well, or... I think it depends on the situation. When it comes to that feeling of dread and despair, keep in mind how traumatic the earthquake was. So while they died in such a horrific way, that's going to bring despair with it. Mm. And then they're probably finding ways to entertain themselves. And yeah, they could have been playing when the earthquake happened true so they could be in a way living in that loop at least it's a fun loop but i think that all depends on the situation of the death and the strength of the character right so like are they conscious some ghosts are some aren't hmm. i haven't interacted with these ghosts so i wouldn't know <laughs> don't have a definite answer for you on that one gotcha right are you ready for story number two? Because that one was a really quick one. It only took 15 minutes. It was pretty deep, though. It had a lot of depth yeah, to it. didn't it? I kind of want to find out more about that earthquake. Like, damn. Yeah. I had read a... There's an article I read that was like, here's a bunch of facts you didn't know about Alaska. <laughs> pretty much all of them. <laughs> yes. So I had fun skimming through them. And another one of them was the amount of earthquakes that they have and the size the earthquakes they have but a lot of them aren't felt or noticed because it's alaska yeah and a lot of the times that they happen it's not happening in a living area right because most of it is completely uninhabited yeah that was another fact <laughs> there's like so many million acres of forests they have like oh, yeah. two of the largest forests in the north america yeah well i was out there they're literally so we were driving from anchorage to fairbanks and somewhere along that way what that's funny. No. <laughs> Somewhere along that road, there's like this pass, this mountain pass that they would do. They would run like a, like a, what is the 20 marathon? They would run a marathon on it. It's literally the peak of the, a mountain. And while we were there, the marathon was going on. 
some old guy who was running that race fell off the side of the mountain and just disappeared. They have no idea where he is. He just disappeared down some cliff or something. He's probably dead. Yeah. Like, it's so, like, the terrain and everything is so difficult and just, like, extreme that they can't even send out regular search parties. Like, mm-hmm. it's like a helicopter going over a ravine and being like, Do you see him? <laughs> Are your binoculars strong enough to identify anything? Yeah, because they can't, like, go down there. It's crazy yeah. up there. It'd be fun. Definitely wear a tracker. I don't think it matters. You'd just be, like, beeping at the bottom of a fucking ravine. Fair enough. No well, can get I can't you. get up there and you can't get down here. I guess, I guess this is where I, I die. Yep. This <laughs> is the much. end. <laughs> yeah, even if you survive that fall, he's not going to survive living after it. Yeah. Anyone who's, like... Who thinks Alaska's dope and you, you know, like, who's that guy that they made a movie out of? He's a fucking idiot. He's the dude who, like, went up and lived in a bus in the middle of the woods. He was, like, uh... into the wild, I think. That guy's a fucking idiot. Sounds like one. Yeah. Bas- I can't believe you don't know the story. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> into the wild. This dude about our age decides to abandon everything material, goes into Alaska, tries to make it on his own, Thinks he's a fucking badass and he can conquer fucking Alaska. And guess how he dies? He eats some fucking, like, seeds from, like, a potato plant that's out of season. Oh my and god. And he shits himself to death. Yeah. And dies in a bus. Yeah. So, you gotta take Alaska seriously. <laughs> that's what I I mean, learned. potato seeds. Potatoes are poisonous until they are ripe. Exactly. That's what like, he did. Yeah. Oh, and there is this part where he fucking, I think he killed a moose. And he thought it was an elk, and he didn't know how to preserve the meat, so he just wasted an entire carcass. That's, yeah, that's an absolute waste and a total idiot. Like, yes, I'm gonna kill, I need all that meat. Shit, I don't know what to do with all this meat, because that's like a year's survival on meat, Yeah, if you know how to preserve it. I would say one of my biggest pet peeves as a Colorado native, which is like mini Alaska, is people not taking nature seriously. Right. Yeah, nature doesn't give a fuck about you. Nope. It will fucking chew you up and spit you out. It doesn't matter. Yep. I agree. All right. Now I'm ready. (laughs) All right. Step two. We are moving into Anchorage, officially. Oh, yeah, because we're still in Alaska. Yep. This is an auditorium on the campus of the University of Alaska in Anchorage. So, UAA. Yay. UAA. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So... There was a, yeah, this auditorium was named for John Wendell, other known as Wendy. Oh, God. Williamson. (laughs) He was a professor of music at the school, and he ended up passing away about 15 years after the auditorium was built. The school named the auditorium after him, in his honor. So the construction of Wendy Williamson Auditorium was started in 1973. Hmm. It's the same year my mom was born. Ooh, creepy. (laughs) It wasn't finished for another year and a half as they were waiting for more funds to finish the building. It kind of took them a little while. But once the building was finished, there were many mistakes made along the way. (laughs) And I found it hilarious. These must have been pretty, like, dumbass mistakes, I'm guessing. (laughs) These include doors that, when you open them, lead to a wall. They don't go anywhere. You know, but I've heard of this type of thing before. Or some of them do it on purpose. Or it's like the architect is just insane. Mm -hmm. And like the builders are like, yo, dude, you know this door goes to a wall, right? And he's like, just do it. I know what I'm talking about. It's (laughs) hot. That was just one of them. Um, There was an elevator shaft that went to a non-existent second floor. How the fuck does that work? Built the shaft, but they never built a second floor. So it just goes up and there's no... Nothing to walk onto when you go <laughs> so up. So there's just a shaft, like, hanging midair? Well, I mean, it's going to be probably along a wall or something. Like, so it goes up past the first floor, but there's no second floor. You right, know so saying? you're like, just going like... higher in the first floor. Oh. <laughs> I'm, like, so thinking I... it's, like, up on the roof, like. <laughs> no, was, there was apparently at some point a plan for a second floor that never happened, so there's an elevator shaft that goes up, but it just goes up. It's for the view. Yes, great view. <laughs> Um, along with a catwalk that doesn't go anywhere and is technically out of line of sight for, like, the auditorium. For killing people. Yes. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. That's what I'm yeah, thinking. That's who built it. And the last thing that at least they noted was a spotlight that was not installed properly, so it never faced the stage to light it up. What the fuck? 
So just some fun, quirky things where you're like, what the fuck is this building? <laughs> yeah, okay. That's just dumb. That just sounds like like the spotlight was in the original plans and they just like screwed it to the roof or the ceiling the wrong direction or something. Yeah, it doesn't touch the stage. It cannot put light on the stage. So like, <laughs> what a waste. It's like, what idiot installed that? Because you know that wasn't in the plans. We're just like, yeah, here's a spotlight. You go put it in. Maybe. Okay. Maybe they wanted to do like a special new form of theater where they put the spotlight like on the audience and you're the star. They didn't say where it pointed. They just said it wasn't at the stage. <laughs> it could have been pointing at the fucking ceiling. I don't know. <laughs> so this building was surveyed by the Confucius Institute. Which I've heard of. Okay. I don't know what the fuck that I is. I hadn't though. heard of it before. It's a partnership between colleges and universities in China and other countries. So China's involved. There's definitely, like, some opium conspiracy or something going on here. Surprisingly, no. It was never noted. Lame. Well, it's a conspiracy. Could be. Could definitely (laughs) be. But they deemed the energy there to be evil, and the feng shui was all wrong. God damn, the feng shui. Yep. Yeah, well, part of feng shui is your room fucking makes sense. I know! (laughs) So when I read that, I was like, yeah, no shit. The thing Shay is all wrong. Like, you've got doors that lead to nowhere, an elevator shaft that's just a ride to a better view, a catwalk that doesn't go anywhere, and a fucked up spotlight. Yeah. And those are just the things that they mentioned. There could have been more. I can imagine, like, a realtor trying to sell the property and, like, showing people around it and being like, yeah, and if you follow me through this door, you'll notice that, like, the flow of the room goes, like, directly into a wall and i'm sorry <laughs> about that let's like ignore that right now we'll get that fixed don't even worry about it right <laughs> um so a lot of this is from an interview done by of shane mitchell i got a little tidbits here mitchell? and there i'm just about to get into that oh. but he gave the most detailed interview and everything else i could find was just tidbits because most of the time anytime i looked something up about this place it was like we do venues we do concerts we do weddings <laughs> it was like i'm not looking for an ad I'm looking for your fucking history that's probably why it's all in your face is they're like tired of the, the rep it gets yeah so that's why i couldn't find a lot of history on this place i found a little bit that's about it <laughs> um so shane mitchell was an alumni of uaa and one of the managers and directors at the theater. And he has a lot to say about this place. So, to begin with, Mitchell said that the light room is by far the most sinister place, but the whole place is all funky. And by light room, do you mean the room with the light that doesn't do anything? So with theater, I'm guessing the light room would be controlling the lights, so probably. Oh. But, I mean, like, a dark room is for developing pictures. Yeah. And this is in roughly the 80s, so... I would assume a light room for a theater would be where they're, like, controlling the electricity and the lights. So For the staging. Yeah, that would be my theory, but none of the theater work that I did was managing any of that. I was always in school plays and under little things. Um, But he claimed that weird things had been occurring since Wendy died. (laughs) Oh my god. So our one Patreon donor is making us laugh. Yeah. We'll, we'll just say that. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. I'm sorry, the Patreon donor <laughs> is her boyfriend, and he is definitely making this an interesting episode to record. There's a plug, though. If you want to be tier four or whatever, you can listen to live performances of our show and fucking distract the hell out of us by being a dumbass. Yes, and in that way, in turn, you get on the podcast... Verbally. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't you like that? It's fucking great. Oh my god. <laughs> You're distracting. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, Mitchell had spent 20 years as part of the auditorium, and he began as a student in acting there. So in 1982, it said that the place had a reputation for being haunted. Keep in mind, it was built in 1973. So, mm. not even a decade and it already has this reputation. Yeah, has anyone died? Not yet. Huh. So, and what the fuck? They build it on a burial ground or some shit? Who knows? And the, um, Mitchell actually said that this place has had this reputation of hauntings before Wendy died. Because he died in 1988. Damn, because I was just gonna say, I bet it's, like, 
Okay, who's that one guy who built that house that was just like built to murder people? Oh, H.H. H. Holmes. H.H. H. Holmes. He had a crazy ass house that like hallways leading to nowhere, stairs and shit. I was just gonna say Williams or Willie Wendy. But he wasn't part of the construction of this place. Right. That's kind of that's kind of what ruined it. Cause I was mm-hmm. gonna say he's probably like a fucking serial murderer, and no, he like boarded up all these rooms with bodies in them. Apparently, he was a beloved music professor. But like, so was H. H. Holmes, though. That's true. A lot of people <laughs> liked him. <laughs> um, it sounds like he's innocent. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's Damn. innocent. Uh, back to Mitchell. Mitchell was part of an acting group there when he was a student, and he was doing one of the performances of The Monkey's Paw. I don't know if you've heard of, but I just learned what it was through another podcast. Uh, Wine and Crime. Sorry, I listen to too many now. (laughs) So Wine and Crime, they covered uh, Be Careful What You Wish For lesson episode podcast. They pick topics for each episode, so... Be careful what you wish for is one of the topics that they did. And the monkey's paw was brought up. Apparently, background in that is the monkey paw was dropped off to this family saying it was like a cursed item or something. And the guy died and they took the paw from the coffin because they were really poor and in need of help. So it granted them three wishes that they all wish they could have taken back. Uh, so okay. be careful what you wish for. Yeah. So he was performing the monkey's paw. Is and... it like a play up? based on that or something i think it's an old story like a cautionary tale okay it developed into having plays and books and whatever gotcha so mitchell was on stage and he opened a prop coffin and all the props next to him that were on a table like behind the stage there's a table of props so they're really easy to get they all flew off the table and hit the other side of the wall Hmm. yeah no one was near them everyone's kind of like what the fuck just happened But during that same show at the end, well, there were about 350 school children that came to see this show. Uh Uh-oh. And after the show, one kid walked up to them, or Mitchell and one of the directors, and asked, how did you make the lady in the white dress float above your heads? Oh, no! Mitchell. Oh, I just got goosebumps! (laughs) Mitchell was very confused, and the kid's teacher chimed in and was like, oh, he just wants to know how the special effects worked. Just to say there were no special effects. Oh (laughs) no, my goosebumps! Ah! That's so creepy. Yeah. So apparently she's been seen a few times, but it's only during shows that she'll show up. Oh, I don't like that. (laughs) Oh, I don't like that at all. So Shane goes on to say that people have asked him if he has seen or heard anything during his time there, and he responded with he can explain things that he sees or hears away, like yeah, on that skeptic side. Yeah, so he's side. like a skeptic. Nice. But the feeling, the feeling he has But feelings are not scientific. No, but the overwhelming feeling of knowing you're not safe is something he doesn't know how to process. Yeah. Mm. So he's aware of that. This is a theme this episode. A foreboding feeling. Yep. Damn. Maybe eventually we'll do a positive, here's a happy haunting where this ghost was like Casper. <laughs> He's like just a good old boy. <laughs> um, so, when Shane Mitchell began his career at the auditorium, not just being a student, he found a painting of the Wendy Williamson himself. And the painting was a portrait of Wendy playing a piano. Hmm. He pleaded with the manager at the time to hang it up, but was swiftly told no and very much shut down. Like, don't talk about this painting. Leave it alone. Uh-oh. More haunted paintings. Yep. So when Mitchell became manager, he and his brother, he has a twin brother named Wayne. Shane and Wayne. Oh, God. <laughs> That's horrible. Yep. That's unforgivable. I know. I felt so bad for them. Just... Being on the outside, like, oh. Imagine how many times they were like, which, one, which one's Shane and which one's Wayne? <laughs> they just want to, like, shoot themselves. <laughs> yeah. So he and his brother decided to take the painting out of storage and hang it up to commemorate the late professor and the building's namesake. And what do we know about taking paintings out of storage and hanging them up? Probably not a good idea. Yeah, don't do it. No, it wasn't. <laughs> They proudly hung the painting up in the foyer of the lobby for all to see. I believe it's pronounced foyer. Foyer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the next morning, the painting was on the ground. 
And the scenario repeated itself multiple times. They'd hang it up, come back, it was on the ground. Hang it up, put it back. So it wasn't just that they weren't nailing the thing right. No, it was that it was coming off the wall Hmm. every time they put it up. You know, the picture was always in pristine condition. What I would do is just like move like a dresser in there and just stick it on that. It will fall off the dresser too. I've heard other stories of stuff like this happening. No. (laughs) (laughs) So until one day, as this scenario didn't stop, one day while Wayne Mitchell was hanging up the portrait, the wire on the back snapped and fell to the ground, tearing the carpet and breaking the floor beneath it. Fuck. But the painting and the frame were completely unharmed. How did it... Okay, like, breaking the floor, yeah, maybe, like, it's heavy. How did it tear the carpet? Corner? Snag? I don't know. Yeah, but you gotta be, like, sliding across the carpet or some shit. Who knows? It's a haunted painting. Something did not want this picture hung up. Yeah. Damn. So, after that, the brothers brought the mysterious painting back into storage, eventually to bring it out one more time to hang it in the green room. (laughs) And then the next morning, the painting wasn't on the wall again on the ground, and the Mitchells put it back on storage. It was like, fuck it, we're gonna forget about it. (laughs) There you go. So Shane actually said, it's not the most flattering portrait. Maybe Wendy hates it. (laughs) (laughs) But there is some oddity around the portrait itself. Like, there is no title, no date, and no artist's signature. No one knows who painted this picture. No one knows when it was painted, or how it even ended up in the auditorium. It's just him! That was my thought, too. It's like, <laughs> he just turned himself into a ghost painting. Like, <laughs> what a badass. Yeah. So that's a fun haunt painting. Um, at some point in time, there was a self-proclaimed psychic who came to visit and evaluate the auditorium. She had previously mailed in some documents proving her credibility. They okay. deemed them worthy. And like, sure, How? come check it out. Like, what documents? Like, I one don't know. time? There was no details about this. No detail about when she came in. Don't know her name. It was very vague. Yeah. The only thing I got out of this and her checking shit out was that she sensed five beings, one of a little girl who died in a car accident on the lake nearby, like Otis or Otis, <laughs> the ghost of a teen boy, a young woman, and two men, one violent man, one kind man. Weird. I'm just trying to think of like, if you're a psychic, right? And it's what, the 80s still? You're a psychic. How are you, like, what documents are you submitting that proves you're a psychic? So there's, oh, I forgot the name of the fucking business. Shit. There's this organization, I think there's more than one, that actually go and try to debunk psychics. We should cover an episode on this because um, Houdini, I think, tried to be a part of it. And then there's a sir... Fuck, what's his name? (laughs) Shit. We'll do an episode. Okay. Yes. There is a whole thing on this. So there's like, fun. so, okay, basically, when I get my nursing license, I have to take a huge test. I have to submit fingerprints, do a drug test, background test, and then they're like, yes, you're a legitimate nurse. So what they do is they take them into a controlled environment so it can't, well, they'll go see them like at their home or they'll send one person to go like check them out, see what they're doing, and take them to a controlled environment and see if they can replicate that without having any of their previous shit, like wires hooked up and... Oh. Yeah. So they go see what they're all about after enough media sensations. Like, this person can speak to the dead, or the tables move. Like, yeah. if there's enough media sensation to get their attention, they'll go check them out. They check them out in their own environment. They're like, okay, cool. Now you come with us, and we're going to make you do that same shit without the ability to rig the setup. Yeah. So if you can do it, cool. If and then if not, you're debunked. You're a fraud. So Damn. their whole thing is to try and prove you're a fraud. Yeah. If you can prove you're not one, that's when you get like the utmost respect. They're like, uh <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Verified weird. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. I think there was there's only a small handful of people out of the hundreds that they've tested that have actually, they have no idea what's happening. That's dope. Yeah. We should totally do an episode on that. Yeah. Cool. All right. And I've heard different ones do like series and I've heard so much information from different podcasts that it could take up 
upwards of two or three episodes if we really wanted to get into detail. Mm -hmm. This could be fun. Yeah. All right. Moving on. There was a janitor who used to work there, and eventually he just stopped showing up out of nowhere. Oh. They found him and asked him why he quit showing up, and he's like, I refuse to work where there's ghosts. (laughs) You know the janitor is going to be like the one who's there after hours cleaning shit up. By himself. By himself, seeing shit, hearing shit, and is like, I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck this. Damn. So due to all these spooky happenings, many people have interacted with it. They're all freaked out. So many different members of the staff with different very various religious alignments brought in their culture's beliefs on beliefs or items to try and lessen the haunting activities. Like try and cleanse it in their own way. Yes. Hmm. So these included a Pennsylvania Dutch tapestry, a Celtic knots carved into the walls, a statue of the Virgin Mary filled with holy water mounted above a door, and smudging techniques. And these are just the ones named. So there's probably a bunch of other people wearing like charms or something, but those weren't brought up. But Just for those of you who are new and don't know what smudging is, it is the burning of a bundle of herbs, leaves, or wood, like sage, sweet grass, cedar, palo santo, or whatever have you, in order to cleanse the spaces with a good intention or a purging behind it. I've only ever heard of sage. Sage is the default for everything, but sweet grass can actually be more of a cleanser. Mm. Palo santo and cedar... They all have different qualities to them, so like when I smudge my house, I use sage, cedar, and palo santo. So you can use them all together. Yeah. Hmm. And usually they're in bundles, like I have a bundle of cedar, I have a bundle of sage, and I have one stick of palo santo wood. Ethically sourced, I swear. (laughs) Palo santo trees are starting to die out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I buy shit that's been already dead that people have picked up the dead tree and they're just taking the chunks of wood. They're not, like, cutting down new ones to provide for this industry. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I use all three because they have different qualities of cleansing that they work with. I've heard quite a few people who really like sweet grass. I just don't have any. Mm, Okay. So I use three different ones to make (laughs) up for it. (laughs) (laughs) But Mitchell said that the smudging would work for a little over a week, week and a half, and then the spirits would still be there just be pissed off just irritate them more but there's no reports of anyone dying in the auditorium like you asked earlier there's no reports of that there's been people who've died in the vicinity like the yeah. one girl who died in a car accident at the lake nearby right but no one has actually died in the building including including wendy it's just it hasn't happened but all actors musicians technicians and alumni at some point will hear the piano in the foyer being played <laughs> And they'll go out to check, and there's no one there, and the music stops abruptly. So everyone who goes through that place. Everyone who works there and is, like, probably there at late hours practicing and doing shit, they'll interact with it at some point. They'll hear the piano playing, go down to the lobby, and there's no one playing it. Ew. Wendy liked to play the piano. It's just Wendy, just... (laughs) Having fun. (laughs) So it's said that most women with long brown hair have been reported being pushed down the stairs by something or someone they cannot see. So I'd be fucked. Yeah, what? <laughs> Why? I don't know. Did he I'm have guessing... like, a girlfriend or some shit? Well, there's five spirits, and there's one violent man, one kind man. I'm guessing the violent one had a thing against brown, long-haired women. Hmm. Like, you're a brunette. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, bitch. Yeah, that so... That seems kind of weird. Yep. And then women using the handicap stalls. There's been at least three reports, but I'm sure there's probably more. They have tried to leave the stall, and it is violently shut so that they can't get out of the stall, even though there's no one else in there with them. That would terrify me. Yep. Faucets and lights turn off and on by themselves. Reflections with no origin appear on the doors of the entrance to the auditorium. I'm guessing it's not a mirror. It's probably like glass doors, and you see reflections, but it's like, oh, there's five people here. There's six reflections. Oh, God! Yeah, there's a reflection in there that is unaccounted for. There's not an actual living person reflecting onto that glass. Ooh, that's creepy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And the normal people hear footsteps following behind them when there's no one there. Classic. Shadows. You know, the classic stuff, really. Did you? (laughs) Yeah, like, mm, (laughs) weak. 
So if you ever want to visit the auditorium and trying to experience paranormal activity, it's not going to happen. Oh, well, <laughs> the interactions always occur more with skeptics who aren't expecting anything to happen. So me. Yes. So I Us. would go in and nothing would happen to me. I'd leave you alone for 10 minutes and you come back going, guess what the fuck just happened to me? <laughs> Be like freaking out. So that way I, I see what it's doing. Building wants more credibility. It needs belief. Yeah, because if it you knows. don't believe, it's like a fairy. If you say you don't believe in fairies, they die. Oh, she learned that from Peter Pan. Yeah, but like, so don't it's you like that with want ghosts. these fairies to die. Like, just they're already dead. On. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, like Santa Claus. Apparently, I uh, went through my five page five pages of notes really quickly because we're only at forty five minutes. So well, I mean, it was jam packed. I felt like that was a lot of information. Yeah, you you told me that was going to be, like, short. You know, like, you weren't going to have a lot of content, but damn. Got you some history and some hauntings, and they yeah. were juicy on both parts. Yeah, they were solid. Alaska, I had a feeling Alaska would have something if we dug around. There's haunted stuff there. It's just then it's not the Sloss Furnaces. Oh, man. Episode one was really... It was a good start right out of the game. <laughs> it really was, yeah. That was great. <laughs> we just always have to make that our ideal. Yes. That's that's the goal, is to find another Sloss Furnaces. Yeah. But for now, it's going to be a lot of two-parters. Yeah. Going to get your history and your hauntings. Both <laughs> you, at the same time. You keep switching into, like, this old English accent. Oh, uh, I'm doing, great. like, early 1900s up to the 1980s. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> Gotta get in character, you know? Yeah, yeah, it helps. <laughs> no, I mean, I think these have been good. I like these little minis. I like them too, because then you're getting more out of the episode. Yeah, yeah. And Alaska, man, it's a new frontier. It the is. last frontier. It's I will say, for us. it doesn't have as much as Alabama did. We probably could have gone with Alabama another two or three more episodes. We can always circle back. Yeah, we can do a special here and there. Yeah. But yeah. Alaska probably has about half that. There's a bunch of other stuff I want to look at. I'm interested to see which stories you pick next week. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how much we can get out of it. But yeah. it's definitely a much shorter list. But then again, it's Alaska, and there's not a lot of towns. Really, there isn't. There's not a lot of anything in Alaska. No. Except for Land. wildlife and trees and bears. It should be the rest of the world, but it, it's not. No, it really shouldn't be. I think the, there should be more nature. Yeah, I think we should like have more trees and wildlife and bears. It's dangerous. You live in the mountains with nature and bears and moosen. Meesen. <laughs> all I'm saying is, like, there's a reason that cities are a thing now. Yeah, We're all trying to get away annoying. from nature because nature is dangerous. I prefer to be in nature. Fuck cities. Yeah, everyone prefers to be in nature, believe me. I hate cities. No, you like cities. I like cities. I like nature. I hate cities. If I could be the old hermit witch up in the mountains <laughs> that the neighboring villages are like, she's a witch! <laughs> she's going to eat you! <laughs> that would be me. That's like your dream job. That is my dream job. <laughs> I want to retire into being the old witch in the mountains that has a bunch of plants and a bunch of weird-ass animals. <laughs> and people are like, don't go near there. <laughs> You see you that should house. move to Alaska. It'd probably be pretty easy to set that up. You're right. I yeah. probably should. Literally, okay, there's this dude in our uh, neighborhood. We got the Make My Day Law, right? I'm sure you've seen it back in our childhood days. Made got... regress. Yeah, we've got this neighbor. Which He's got one? a bull skull. He's not, like, directly a neighbor. He's, like, down the street. Up the street or down the street where we go put balloons? But, I don't know. One of the streets. <sighs> Anyways, he's got a bull skull and, like, some other type of skull. And he's got the Make My Day Law sign. And his house is just pushed back into these dark-ass woods and it always creeped us the fuck out. That would be you. <laughs> well, it would be funny if he's, like, the old man by himself making himself a quilt just sitting there. I know, he's, like, a totally chill guy. <laughs> yeah. The old gentle teddy bear just don't step on his land when he doesn't Why watch does it, too. Why does no one visit me? Yeah. <laughs> But at the same time, you like step on his lawn. He brings out the shotgun. Like, what the fuck are you doing, kids? <laughs> exactly. That's what we all expected. We never even ventured close to that place. <laughs> oh yep. So, all right. Well, a successful episode. 
Yeah, a little shorter than I expected it to be, but jam packed. It, it's there. Yeah, thick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, plugs. We have a Patreon, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, website. We have a website and uh, Spotify. Yeah, it's where you can listen. Hopefully, you're listening on Spotify because yeah, right now like, we're not on anything else. The only be. place you can listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, though, if you're on your computer and you go to the website, every episode that I have posted on the blog, it's got a little old school like sonogram thing that if you click on it, it'll take you to the link of that episode. Excellent. So you, you can listen on your up. computer without having to have Spotify. But yeah. Oh, dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm hoping to look into getting us onto Apple and Stitcher and whatever the fuck else does podcasts. Yeah. And as always, our Patreon tiers, you get different stuff for each tier. Yes, different tiers offer you different items. Um, like our tier four friend over here, who gets to see live performances. Yep. We have different options for each tier. They, um, some of them, it's just small little bits. Mugs, t-shirts, stuff like that. T-shirt, I think, is the biggest tier, which if anyone ever joins... Stickers. Yes, stickers are a thing. But if anyone ever joins our highest tier, they get our souls, pretty much. Yes, and I, you know me, I will sell my soul. Yes. So the first tier, you get monthly AMAs, early access to episodes, and you're just generally supporting our survival. <laughs> tier two, we added some bonus episodes for you. Tier three, you get a Patreon shout out, bonus episodes, early access to those episodes, exclusive content, merch, um, and sticker. A sticker. Yep, you get a sticker with that one. The fourth one that our one beloved Patreon donor, <laughs> and his name is... Richard. Richard. <laughs> he gets a mug, a sticker, gets to ask some questions anytime he wants, early access to episodes, bonus episodes, exclusive content, merch, Patreon shout-out, and some behind-the-scenes content. He's also my boyfriend. <laughs> yes. And he's very distracting. <laughs> yes. Tier 5, the reason we sell our soul is because it's $50 a month, and if you ever choose to do that, you get a t-shirt, a sticker, a mug, commissions, you can ask us to send you fucking anything and you'll get it, live streams, exclusive voting power, live chats, fan requests, behind the scenes, everything else everyone else has, and you get to come on trips with us if we ever actually get enough money to go anywhere. Yeah. You get to be with us when we go, like, stay the night in some weird haunted facility you get to come join the trip yeah so bonus that's <laughs> dope sign me up as a reminder our patreon is patreon.com forward slash haunts and creeps no s's only z's as in zebras and the letter n not the word and <laughs> that's right same All thing right. on instagram but yeah y'all have a good week we will talk to you soon yeah Bye. Bye.